Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone, or your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a director and a writer who beg a video game studio to allow them to use their property and make a movie? Why you get Silent Hill. Wow, that was shorter than I thought it was going to be. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. See, there's actually kind of two themes, but that's the more iconic of the two. So, here we are, and we're talking about Silent Hill. For those of you who don't know, this is actually based off a video game franchise made by Konami. It started back on the original PlayStation... And it's continued on and kind of died off over the years. A lot of people think that the pinnacle was Silent Hill 2, Silent Hill 3, which is still a pretty good game. Uh, And then the fourth one is kind of where they start to really go off the rails, right? And where does this movie fit? Well, weird enough, it's kind of a mishmash of a couple of them mixed together. But really it takes place, well not, I wouldn't say takes place... But the story is kind of based around this town called Centralia in Pennsylvania. It's the big inspiration for what Silent Hill is. And that was, uh, it's kind of a ghost town in Columbia County, Pennsylvania. And there actually are dangers of underground coal fires that are going on in the town. Uh, so he took the story, the director, uh, actually, no, I should say the writer, Ryan Gans took that story and then built the whole world for the Silent Hill film around it. And basically, you know, kind of contorted it, uses a lot of the same monsters and imagery from the other Silent Hill games. Now, there is going to be a little bit of trivia, I guess, to this, because I really like a couple of these things when I was reading more into it, and I wanted to give myself a little bit of a refresh of the film. See, I've played the original Silent Hill, and I actually really haven't played the other ones. I've watched a lot of videos. Like, I don't know why I never got into the rest of the Silent Hill franchise. Like, the idea of everything really intrigued me. But I just couldn't quite get into it enough to want to be like, oh, I need to play it. And I kind of feel like I missed out on not playing Silent Hill 2. And I know they did some, like, remasters a while ago for the PS3 where you could actually play a couple of them, but then I heard that the remasters weren't very good and it was more like a cash-in on the whole goddamn thing. So I just kind of passed it over. Though, I'm pretty sure other people out there will tell me, well, no, you should really go out and try this one, or blah, blah, blah. But if I can find one, uh, a copy for the PS2, I might actually go out and try to play this one once again. 
But I really did enjoy the original Silent Hill, and it was one of those things where, you know, it was me at home alone on the weekends, and I got to rent a video game for the weekend, and that's what I played, like, almost nonstop. So, that's kind of my experience with Silent Hill, and when I saw the movie come out, I was like, hey, you know what? This looks really interesting. Like, honestly, even if I didn't know anything about the video game franchise, I was like, I think I can kind of be brought into it. And the fact that this came out in 2006, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer at the time. And what really gets me with this film is that some things really hold up and some things absolutely do not hold up when you look at it. Uh, The other thing is the music in this film is, one, it's fantastic. And the main reason why I feel like it's fantastic is one of the little trivia bits that I read. The fact that there's only really one song, maybe two, in the whole film that is actually outside of the Silent Hill universe. Everything else that you hear, all the soundtracks from the intro to the little uh, theme that they use when the title cards come up, it's all music from the game. And that is absolutely amazing because it keeps that sense and feeling of the actual game. There are moments in here where it really does feel like a video game, but there are moments where you, you knew nothing about the video game series and you're just watching it for what it is. I really feel like you could get lost in the world of this horror film. It's... I'm unashamedly, I love this movie, and I really didn't know how it was going to go, and and I want to present that at the beginning so you're not, like, surprised that, uh, oh my god, he likes it so much. No, I have kind of a bias towards this film, but we're still going to talk about, there are a lot of flaws in it, Uh, but in general, it is a fun movie to watch. And it's not a super dialogue-heavy movie. I mean, there are a lot of clips, and there's a couple long clips in this one, because it was really hard to break up some of them. But they seem to happen in big spurts. So you go, like, the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie, and then all of a sudden you get, you know... 15 minutes of her just running around Silent Hill like you would be exploring the city in the video game. And then all of a sudden more stuff comes in. Then more action goes. And then there's some dialogue and more. So it is a little bit of... I don't want to say it's like a super long film. It's two hours and like five minutes. But that's with end credits and other stuff. It's like an hour and 57 minutes, I think, if you're watching it straight. But... Nonetheless, it's still a pretty lengthy movie, and that was one of the reasons why it got panned by critics. That and some of the dialogue choices that they used in the film. But honestly, to me, I I don't care about that that much. I mean, look at the crap that I do like. You know, when it comes to like really bad horror movies, I really don't give a fuck about the dialogue, right? I want to see what makes it fun for me and why do I enjoy it so much. And I'm not necessarily calling Silent Hill a bad movie. Some people will. If you take just critic scores and not just somebody kind of talking to you on a podcast and giving you a synopsis and kind of overview of the film, but you take bonafide people that are considered to be, you know, highbrow critics or whatever, it scored relatively low, and I know that its sequel with both critics and fans also scored very low, and surprisingly, I kind of like that one too, but I've only seen it once and I didn't see it in the theaters. This one I made sure I went to the theaters to see. I mean, it was like a spectacle. It was honestly... I looked at it as a video game movie that could actually be a good representation of the video game. Like, how hard is that to do? You have our previous film to this episode, House of the Dead. Fucking, like, 
not a good representation of that film except for that long fucking sequence of people like shooting at each other and then you look at our next film there is a sequence that is a good representation of the game but beyond that not really and now here in the middle and and i actually kind of didn't plan it this way but i'm glad that it turned out this way that the middle film is a perfect representation of Silent Hill to me and that doesn't mean that to somebody else they're gonna get hell pissed off and they're gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about this is the worst representation of Silent Hill I've ever seen do you even know what's going on do you even know the history of Silent Hill you know what honestly I don't know all of it like I said I've really only played the first game I've watched videos on the second game to see the weird endings and I like the character uh, Pyramid Head I really do. Like, what he stands for in Silent Hill 2, I think is fantastic. And he's kind of used in that regard here. But surprisingly enough, in Silent Hill Revelations is where you kind of learn more. And he's actually more like... I don't want to say he's more like the game's version of it. Because in in the second one, and I know I'm going to get corrected by somebody. I'm pretty sure it's somebody I just did a podcast with. But he's like the representation, or could be his wife... Um, the representation of kind of that character's guilt for everything that he's done and it's his punishment and this it's kind of the same thing you don't see him as much you see him out there but he's really prevalent in the second silent hill film which again it's not terrible but it's not the best i kind of like it but some people just might not and surprisingly in that one kit harrington's in it fuck so i guess john snow doesn't know shit and he gets lost in fucking silent hill so when it comes to this film you have to kind of look at a couple of things outside of it. Be- besides the trivia of the movie, or music in the movie, and the fact that it's actually based on a real town, a real ghost town. The other thing is Sean Bean's character. Uh, and I want to say this first before we go into it. For some people that haven't seen this film, it truly is, like at the moment that this podcast is being recorded, because I know some people might come later, it is on Netflix. Go watch it. This is a film that I say before we get into it, and before I mention this, hit that pause button, watch Silent Hill, you, and you can have a better understanding of what I'm going to say next. If you decide to not and just continue on with it, um, that's fine too, but I really think this helps you after you've seen the film. I don't want to say helps you, but it gives you a new perspective when you think about it, and especially when it's fresh in your mind, kind of when I watch this again. I kind of took a different perspective on it. And that's uh, the fact that Sean Bean is constantly naked in this film. No, he's not really naked. Actually, that's a trivia thing about the guy who played Pyramid Head. Supposedly, even in the costume, he was butt-ass naked while he was going around it. But no, 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 no. Uh, Sean Bean's character didn't actually have as much to do with the story in the original version of the film. See, this is a case of studio executives getting into the film and saying, hey, there's not enough men in the film. Because really it's centered around Rose and Sybil for the most part, and all the other women that are involved in the film. There are men, don't get me wrong, they're there. But they're not main characters in the main focus of the film. So the scenes that you have with the police officer and Sean Bean, uh, and most scenes with Sean Bean in general, they were actually added in later on when the producers of the film said, hey, there's not enough of a male audience. And when this version of Silent Hill came out, I didn't, I don't know if the third one was available yet. 
Um, it might have been which had the female protagonist in it, uh, which that is kind of more what Revelation is based off of. This is, like I said, this is kind of a mixture between one and two with some of the themes, not necessarily the storyline. So you had a primarily female cast in this movie, and they wanted more, so they added all those scenes with Sean Bean. And it really kind of changes my perspective of those scenes. And you, the thing you have to ask yourself is, are these scenes actually necessary to the film in, in general? Some of them I would say yes. Some of them I'd say no. Uh, and really, what I picked in terms of audio-wise, based for those scenes, those are the ones that I think are truly important to the film. And the other ones, I don't think that they need to be there. Some of them, they do add a little extra depth to what's going on and kind of a better understanding. So they did a good job if they added these scenes to the film. If it's the ones that I'm thinking of, if there were just more in, in some other place, um, you know... It actually did help the film quite a bit, and it helped explain some things that maybe you wouldn't get right away, but maybe it would have been better if you didn't understand them at all, and you kind of just went through the whole storyline. Because from what I understand, and what I kind of remember from what I was reading, and this is just off the dome, I think it was only the beginning and the end that he was really there. So what happens in the beginning, and especially after Rose goes, and then when the whole thing is concluded... Um, and when she calls him at the end of the movie, that was basically it. So all the other stuff in between, it was kind of like, eh, it doesn't really need to be here, but you need more dudes. So, you know, hey, get the D on the screen. And, of course, when Sean Bean show up, you're like, is he going to die in this film? And, spoiler alert, <laughs> before we get into it, this is one of the few films where he doesn't fucking die. Um, it's not a part of his death reel, but... I still think that he adds a lot to the film that if it was taken out, I don't think anybody would care. But the fact that some of the stuff is in there, I think it's worthwhile to take a look at. And it does help the overall tone of the film. And you kind of get a different perspective from it. So even though they were kind of forced to add it back in there, at the same time, I think that they did a good job if they were forced to do so. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the film that is Silent Hill. And we open up on a very dark night, and we see the main character, Rose. She's kind of run outside, and she's really frantic. You see her daughter, Sharon, she sleepwalks at night, and she's somehow walking out in the middle of the street, and really far ahead of her for some reason. Like, how did she get that far ahead that quickly when... She fucking rose looks like she's busting her ass trying to get uh, ahead of her uh there's actually a really kind of good transition effect that shows up when she f sees her for the first time see she's looking over a cliff and when you go over the cliff it's looking down actually into the burning coal mines of silent hill right before she jumps over and before uh sean bean's character dies before the movie even begins by being hit by a car and then we see Sharon, she almost jumps over the cliff like she's going to go down into that burning fire that's down there. But at the last minute, Rose, she's able to save her. And of course, that leaves Sharon a little distraught, and she begins talking about a city in her dreams. Silent Hill! Silent Hill! Rose! Shh. Wake up! Hey! It's okay, sweetie. Okay. We're here now. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, baby, we're going right home. What are we gonna do? We'll get there. We'll find a way through this. We'll find a way. No. 
She said it again. I know. Come on, baby. It's okay. It's okay, baby. You know, for a second there, I thought I was watching The Wizard and she was screaming about California versus Silent Hill. But of course, she has weird dreams about the city of Silent Hill. But neither Rose nor Chris really knows anything about it. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to call him Chris because I probably won't remember this. I'm just going to call him Bean from now on, okay? Y'all know who Sean Bean is. So, we cut over past the title credits, which are relatively short after this. It's not like the standard music. I don't know where it came from, but what you get in the beginning of the film before it starts is actually the theme song for Silent Hill uh, that's used kind of like the Final Fantasy fanfare theme song that's used in every single fucking Final Fantasy. Well, that's the same music that's used in every Silent Hill. At least to kind of transition, let you know that you're in the Silent Hill world, right? So we then see the logo from the film, and then it fades over to the next day, where we see Sharon, she's kind of out in a field or by a tree, and Rose walks up and wonders what she's drawing. Want to see? Sure. What are you doing there, pumpkin? (gasps) Wow. (laughs) This is an amazing lion. Did you do that all by yourself? Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed with you, honey. Meow, 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 meow. Hey, you know we're going on a special trip, don't you? Meow. Do you know where we're going? Huh? Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place called Silent Hill. I don't remember. Oh, that's okay, sweetie. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember. Daddy's not coming? No, sweetie. It's going to be just you and me. Okay, first off, lions, don't fucking meow. They balk like chickens, okay? Haven't you ever seen that Cadbury egg commercial? Balk! 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 That's what the fucking lion did, okay? It didn't go meow, meow, meow. Second of all, uh, if... I was thinking that fucking lion's meow. I would be so torn up like she was too and be fucking sleepwalking over the place and talking about some place called Silent Hill that I can't fucking remember. Then you're going to fucking ditch dad. He's like, look, we're going to get her help. We'll totally do it. And what she really wants to do is she just wants to take her to this place, which nobody knows if it truly exists. So we go back and we see Sean Bean is there in the house and he's looking through the computer. And if you're going to run away... Fucking clear your browser history. And she's been visiting some site like ghosttown.web? What the fuck is that? What type of web address is .web? When's the last time that you ever went to a .web address that was specifically for ghost towns? Is this the only way that she was able to fucking find Silent Hill? Is this like the dark web? Was she looking for somebody's credit card information first and thought, Hey, you know what? Maybe I can find more information about Silent Hill if I just go on the dark web. I guess that's the way we're going to do it. But then you don't kill your fucking browser history? If you're going to run away and you don't want anybody to know where you've gone, just fucking, like, clear it. That's it. Uh, this is a honestly God, like, statement of mine. When I die, somebody please come in and clear my fucking browser history. Because I don't want them to know that I've been on ghosttown.web. That's fucking embarrassing. It looks like an Angel Fire or a Geocities 
like site. And even back in 2006, I wouldn't be caught dead looking at one of those sites. I mean, yeah, maybe they're going to have some type of like dancing hamster on there or something like that with its I mean, I don't look at any of that type of shit anymore. This is 2018. I don't need to know anything about no dancing hamsters. Oh, so we see them, Rose and Sharon, they pull up to a gas station to gas up somewhere outside of, well, I guess, wherever Silent Hill is. And when she goes over to the backseat of the car and she notices the different paintings, uh, well, not really paintings, they're crayon drawings, okay? They're kid drawings. They don't look the best in the world, but hey, uh, you know, they represent her family and she's all excited about them. But then she sees something that is really bothersome, where it looks like there was a girl that's been set on fire, which she asks Sharon, what the hell is this? Honey, you're awake? Long drive. Can I ask you something, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Why'd you change your pictures? Uh, I didn't. Mommy. You can't remember. No. I don't like that, Mommy. Baby, you, you can't remember who doing this. Who did that? Hey, 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 baby, it's okay. Mommy, who did that? It's okay, honey. Mommy's here. Can you wait in the car for me? Can I sit in front? Okay, I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room right now. And I'm not talking about the cop that's about to walk up that looks like a mixture of T2 and T3. I'm going to talk about the girl that plays Sharon. She also plays Alessa and Dark Alessa. Well, Alessa to a point, I guess. And we'll talk about Alessa and Dark Alessa as we get further into the fucking film. But she plays these roles much differently than each other and i don't like her like sharon role i think it's really crappy because she just like oh it sounds like one of those cheesy child actors that don't know what the fuck they're doing but yet get thrown into a role like this but then later on in the film she's better like, she's better being the dark person than she is being this, like, kind-hearted person. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's the cadence that she's using, or the fact, like, I don't like it, mommy. I don't like it. It's fucking annoying. Like, I don't even remember this about her. Luckily, fucking Sharon is only in this movie for a little bit. And then the other thing, okay? The entire time I'm watching this fucking movie, and I hear Sharon being called... All I can think about is fucking Randy Marsh. Sharon? 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 Oh, Sharon. Like, that's fucking it. And it fucking drives me crazy. Because I just, just thinking about him making his fucking cream fish or, you know, hey, I thought this was America. It's America. Okay, it's America. You know, Sharon? <laughs> it's just so terrible that I can't shake that out of my mind. So... Anyway, she goes inside to go pay for the gas, and then the T3 walks up to the window and talks to Sharon to find out whether or not she's, like, doing okay if anything is wrong, because she kind of said a little bit of a scene when she was, like, crying out loud, Who did that, Mommy? And she's audibly saying Mommy, but the lady's kind of asking her and, like, talking to her, like, Hey, who is that lady? Like, do you really know her? Is this, like, Stockholm Syndrome type thing? And that really isn't Mommy, and that's really just somebody that's here to, you know, fucking kidnap you and take you away somewhere? 
but honestly, the kid, she doesn't talk to her because she's like, you're a stranger and I don't know you. And she's like, clever girl. And then Sharon jumps out like a Velociraptor and fucking rips her throat out. Though that's kind of what I wish would have happened, but that actually doesn't happen in this scene. Instead, we go inside and then we see Rose trying to pay for the gas uh, and also trying to find directions for Silent Hill. I just want to pay for the gas. And can you tell me the best way to get to Silent Hill? I can't seem to find it on the map. Why do you want to go there? I I read about it. Road don't go through no more. Your card was declined. Wouldn't it have been better if she said, just like your car, the road don't go through there no more. And then we would have had a little bit of a chuckle there. But at the same time, like, it kind of sucks that all of a sudden her cards don't work, right? Well, guess who cut them off? Why'd you cut off the cards? Look, Chris, that's not going to stop me from taking her there. Listen, honey, we've got to put Sharon in a hospital. She needs constant care and she needs that medication. The medication doesn't work. She's getting worse every day. Honey, the adoption people said Sharon came from West Virginia. And Silent Hill is in West Virginia. I'm not giving up on her, Chris. I'm not. Have you actually read the websites, Rose? Yes, Chris. I read them. Just trust me on this. Please, just trust me on this. Listen, honey. I love Sharon every bit as much as I... I gotta go. Okay, so she's going to West Virginia. Are you sure Silent Hill isn't just like some meth-making town that you go to? Like you're going to get stuck there, you're going to stay there, and all of a sudden you're going to be married to your fifth cousin and you're going to be making meth for a living? I mean, not like Breaking Bad type of meth. I mean, this is the type of that, if you've ever seen that movie, The Wild Whites of West Virginia, I'm talking about like moonshine running meth is the type of meth that you're going to be making if you're stuck in fucking West Virginia. And also, did she pay for the gas? Like, she's like, your card's been declined. Oh, shit. Uh, Then she calls him, why did you cancel all the cards? And he doesn't even, like, say anything about it. He's just like, well, you know, we really need to watch out for a kid. And it's cool that he's, like, all worried about her and he's worried about his own kid. But then at the same time, it's like, did she even pay for the fucking gas or she just fucking leave? So, you know what? She gets in the car. She fucking leaves. And then shortly after, she's chased down by the police officer where she's pulled over. Now, I'm assuming at this point, it's because the police officer knows that she hasn't paid for the gas. She walks up to the car. Rose then looks over at Sharon and says, buckle up, buckaroo, and fucking puts the pedal to the metal and ditches the police officer in a... It's not even really a chase because she's so far ahead in like a Jeep Liberty, which that's what we confirm it is later. Product placement as best, folks. And then she's... Like, way going way, way, way faster than this lady on her bike. She's got this badass police motorcycle, and it can't catch up to a Jeep Liberty? That's the most unbelievable fucking thing in this movie so far. Not the fact that she would just go randomly to a city because, hey, she's talking about it, so we must go there, because nothing could possibly go wrong in this type of thing. I mean, come on, look where we're at. We're in fucking West Virginia, right? No, it's the fact that the fucking Jeep Liberty can go much faster than the police-issued motorcycle. I don't know how she does it. She busts through the gates that lead up to Silent Hill and disappears into the mist. 
as she keeps driving on, she sees what she thinks to be a, a little girl that crosses right in front of the car and crashes and gets knocked the fuck out. And when she wakes up, she's just got a little bump on the nose or a little bump on her head. It doesn't really even seem that bad, but of course, Sharon is also missing. She steps out of the car and begins calling out to her, but she can't find her whatsoever. She also begins calling for help for some reason, even though she ran away from the fucking cop back there. She wants help now all of a sudden because her daughter is missing. So she walks forward into the mist, into the town of Silent Hill. And everything is covered in this really gray mist, and at first it looks like it's just fog, but what it turns out to be is actually ashes that are just falling from the sky and completely clouding the whole town. And that's where we get, as she's sees what she thinks is Sharon run down a hallway, we get to hear the sirens for the very first time. Now, I love the sets that they designed here because the town has that old town type of feel like, you know, back in like the 20s, 30s, even as late as the 50s. And it's also got like these kind of really cool aesthetics just to the buildings in general. And what also looks great is the transition still between the ashy world and what they call the quote-unquote dark world. See, every time that siren comes around, that's when the dark world is suddenly going to sleep into the ash world. And that's also where all the weird creatures come out. You see, she starts kind of roaming around. She gets a little freaked out because she's still trying to follow Alyssa. And then she runs into a whole field of all these babies that are like burn victim babies. And they begin to chase after her. And as cool as the effect was for them changing over into this new world of the dark world, the effect on the babies really don't hold up very well. I mean, they look as cool as the set is. And I I know it's not like, it's kind of bare bones, but the reason I think it looks really cool is because it does remind me of the game. It reminds me of what I was playing before, especially when things changed over. You just didn't get the cool looking effect of everything kind of look like it peels away, revealing the deep, like kind of darkness underneath everything else that you're seeing. And before I get into the baby thing, the other gripe that I had here is that she's got a lighter that she's using to, like, see everything and chase uh, what she believes to be Sharon around. But the problem is, is that, like, the sets are lit so well that the lighter really doesn't mean anything. It's supposed to be, if it is, like, total darkness, then you have to make everything around it darker than you actually see it. So when she uses the lighter, maybe in her perspective, it would look a lot darker than it was, uh, and the lighter actually helps. But here, she's just running around with a lighter, like a Zippo. One, you never see her fucking smoke, so where'd she get the fucking lighter from? And two, like, it doesn't really illuminate shit. Like, there's no reason to fucking use it. And then she ends up fucking dropping it anyway when the babies start coming after her. And they really don't look that great. And it's a bunch of kids in what seems to be like a playground area. And they're all just completely burnt up. And they, you know, she basically runs from them and she's able to actually get away from them. And when she does get away, finally, she ends up in like what I believe is a diner. 
uh, and the world turns back into the Ashen world for whatever the time frame. And, and that's what I don't get either. I don't know how often, like, it's timed in a certain way. And you do see it at one part in the film that we'll talk about, like, how the people that live in this world actually know when it changes over. But, like... What exactly is this time frame that we're doing? Was that 10 minutes? Was it an hour? Was it two hours? Was it five? Who knows? We really have no sense of time when it comes to spending time inside the dark world. I really wish that we got a little more of a, an insight into it, but it's kind of funny too when she does come to in a diner and it's turned into the Ashen World again. Uh, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire is playing. Ha ha, burnt babies. I get it. Okay, I'm totally getting it. Burnt baby getting. She goes back outside, and that's when she runs into Dahlia for the first time, when she's trying to get some type of understanding of what's going on here. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Please. I don't know what's happening. Do you know what's going on here? My daughter. I'm looking for my daughter. I'm afraid that she's been hurt. We've all lost our children. Our light. They deceived me. They're evil. They're hate. They hurt my child. They did terrible things to her. Alyssa. This is my daughter, Sharon. She sleepwalks, so you have to be careful. But if you see her, please tell her to wait for me. She's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Get out! So Rose runs away from Dahlia for the time being, and we go cut back over to Sean Bean, who's now trying to find out where his wife is. He's able to get to the town close enough to Silent Hill, and he wants to actually get some information, and of course, he has to bribe people to get that information. Hi there. Yeah. Listen, uh, my wife, she came through here last night. Maybe you saw her. Daughter worked night shift. Actually, she was heading for this place, Silent Hill. How do I get there? You don't. Town's closed down because of the coal fire still burning underground. You know? Breathe enough of them fumes. Oh, bound to kill you. Okay. Where's the turnoff? So honestly, he doesn't really need to flash that much money in West Virginia. I mean, the guy probably would have given him more information if he had just like a 20 or something. But it looks like he's got a couple hundred dollars in the little billfold that he taps on the damn like end of the car or the car's engine or where the fuck it was. And of course, they kind of lead him off into the direction of Silent Hill. Meanwhile, back in the Ashen World of Silent Hill, Rose has ran back to the car and she starts looking at all the drawings that Sharon had done. And... She, you know, at first I was like, wow, they all look normal, but it kind of progressively still gets worse, so everything remains the same, but it gives her an idea of where she needs to go. She finally realizes that she might have made a mistake by bringing Sharon here, and decides to give Bean a call. Hi, this is Chris. Please leave a message. Christopher, it's me. I'm... I'm in Silent Hill. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Sharon's lost, but I think I know where she is, so I'm going to school to look for her. I'm not okay. 
I need your help. Please. Please. Hurry. Fuck. Come on! Ma'am, I want you to put both hands on the wheel. Put both hands on the wheel. Where's the little girl, ma'am? Please. My daughter, she's gone. I need your help. Get out of the car. Move it. Jesus, what are you doing? You're under arrest. What? You have the right to remain silent. What? Anything you say what can be used for? against you in a court of law. I don't think you understand. There's something weird going on here. My daughter, Sharon, she's in danger. If you really cared about that little girl, you wouldn't have sped off. Listen to me. She's ill. She's sleepwalking. Just calm right down. I'm going to find the little girl. So it looks like Sybil has caught back up with her, and now she's trying to actually get her for whatever she did from running away from her. The other thing is that Sharon, she's no longer there, and of course in the parking lot before, you could hear her audibly screaming, Mommy, 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 what's going wrong? Who did it to me, Mommy? And she starts being like, so where's the girl? What did you do with her? Did you fucking throw her off the thing? Like, like she's not even her fucking kid. Technically, she's not, right? Because she's adopted. But at the same time, you know that that kid somehow has some type of parental relationship to you. And you can be like, wait, what happened to your daughter? You're pissed off that she ran away and you fucking crashed your motorcycle. But at the same time, you have to be somewhat fucking sympathetic to the fact that the girl is gone. What did you think? You were just going to fucking ditch her and then fucking kill the kid? Hey, I'm tired of watching after this little bitch, so I'm going to go to some ashen fucking town, dump her body here, and then I'm going to drive back into town all happy and shit. Because, hey, I don't want to be a mother anymore. That's not the way this fucking works for this person. She's actively trying to fucking find her kid, and she kind of asks you for help, but instead you arrest her. Meanwhile, we cut over, and Sean Bean has arrived at the point that leads in between the normal highway and Silent Hill. He's found that there's a bunch of police activity there, And when he talks to one of the officers, they realize that, hey, the car belongs to his wife, so he needs to talk to the detective in charge. Where is she? Inspector Thomas Gucci, enjoying the weather, are you? God's sake. I'm trying to find my wife. I know. Hang on a second. Now, that vehicle you were talking about, we found it. It's at the end of the bridge here, but it's empty. Got no indication anyone's come under any harm. Good Christ. Now, you mind telling me what the hell your wife's doing all the way up here, Mr. Uh... Silver. Chris Silver. My pleasure, Chris. Now, look, here's where the faster we start looking, the faster we're going to find it. All right, all right. Hold your horses. Hold your horses, Chris. I've also got a missing deputy. And knowing Officer Sybil Bennett the way I do, she's probably out there looking for your wife and your daughter. Bobby, make sure no one comes through that barricade. We're going to get our asses up to Silent Hill and take a look around, all right? Yes, sir. Well, Chris here tells me what's going on. So Bean goes off with him to go ahead and search the town because the officer has also lost one of his good officers in Sybil. Or Cyril, or whatever the fuck her name is. T3. That's what I'm going to fucking call her for the rest of the goddamn podcast. So we cut back over to T3 and Rose. And they're basically, T3 has now cuffed her and is being very skeptical of her, and she wants to take her back into town. She's going to make her walk all the way there. And so they get to the edge of the road, and they realize that, hey, there's nothing fucking there. Okay. Now do you see what I'm talking about? You take these handcuffs off me. No. Get walking. There's a fire lookout tower on the far side of Toluca Lake. It should have a radio. Fuck you, you stupid cop. This place is completely cut off. 
got no idea what's going on. Hey! Hey, you up there! I'm a police officer! And that thing turns out not to be a person, but some weird type of monstrosity. It's like we're in a fucking video game or something. I mean, it comes to, like, crawling down the hill and just its, like, well, I don't want to say its hind legs, but its two legs, without any arms, it's got no face, it looks like it's completely burnt over, and it just keeps walking toward them. The T3 takes her gun out and starts unloading bullet after bullet into the monstrosity, eventually putting it down, but not before it somehow grows a mouth and spits some weird type of acid shit on her. Mostly on her helmet, so it's a good thing that she was still wearing that. There's a really cool shot. I love this fucking shot when she takes her helmet off because for the first time we see her, like, her actual face. Most of the time it's been covered by sunglasses and the fucking police helmet. But when she takes off the helmet, she's got these, like, super blue eyes just for the moment. I don't really notice them for the rest of the film, but the contrast between her eyes, her blonde hair, and the fucking ashen, like, snow-type environment that's going around her is really fucking beautiful like it is my favorite fucking shot in this whole movie and i don't really know why i think it's just the eyes like the way that they're colored if they're colored different or emphasized in the shot it's really weird because you really don't get that feeling in the rest of it it's just the first reveal of what sybil looks like she looks like a badass fucking cop but at the same time her eyes are just this fucking like you could get lost and drown yourself in the ocean of her fucking eyes and just the contrast of everything around there because you don't get to see the blue skies that you would normally see like when we're back in the regular world with sean bean and the other officer you have those blue skies but here it's all fucking just like ash except for when it turns into the darkness and then you know she's just like this ray of light within that and it's really fucking cool and so we cut over we see rose she's now run away and she's run into the town And at one point she stops and she's able to like take her hands and put them in front. See, the hands were cuffed behind her back. So she's able to actually put her legs through her arms and then put the, you know, cuffs in the front. So she's running throughout the town with a cuff still on. And what she does is she's trying to get to the school because that's where all the imagery on the papers is leading her to. And in doing that, uh, she follows the bus line going over there. And it's actually kind of smart because she's able to figure out what you know address the school's at it's along the bus most of the time it's probably going to be along the bus line and she manages to make it to the school once inside she finds her way into the office area and randomly the keys to all the fucking different like locks happens to be in the fucking room still which to me doesn't make much sense like it's totally run down there's no way that you could find anything in there and they're just fucking magically there deus ex machina okay i found the keys to tell me where i need to go Uh, She takes off and also finds a working flashlight. In the meantime, we cut back over to the real world and we see that the detective or sergeant or who the fuck he is, the other cop that's helping out Sean Bean, they're calling out to Rose to see if they can actually find her. Silva, I am an officer of the law and I will take you to safety. Why don't you let me do that? 90% of the time, Chris, when a wife takes a run, she takes a daughter to a place like this. I'd say she's damn mad at her husband. You like hauling skeletons out of your family closet? No. Not all the time, but we're driving on top of them right now. Coal fire's still burning underneath. You see the barbershop over there? Used to be my father's. Your father? He's dead. 
November 74, when the fire caught, they tried to evacuate this place as quick as they could, but it was hellish. People were dying and disappearing. Hell, they couldn't even find half the bodies. That was the end of Silent Hill. These were good people. Most of them. Some, you might say, deserved it. A little bit. Okay, so there's something bigger going on here with the this detective officer guy and the town of Silent Hill. Maybe he kind of holds a little bit of a grudge against it since everything happened and his father died in the fire that happened here. I mean, will we learn more about what exactly caused the fire? Pretty sure we're going to learn a lot more. See, we're about only about a half an hour into this film at this point in time. Maybe almost 40 minutes into the film. Uh, it's also kind of funny that he's like, yeah, your wife's mad at you, and of course she's not going to fucking come after you. I mean, I guess my wife might do the same thing. She, if she were to, like, run away because she was pissed, I doubt she'd want me to be fucking finding her. Just like they're, you know, being sent there, and he's be the one, oh, he's calling after her. Especially after you fucking turned off her credit cards and everything like that. You think that she's going to just come to you? But of course, at the same time, she did leave a message saying that there was a mistake, but the message really didn't go through, and you only heard, I made made a mistake but you didn't hear really anything else that came with the message so it's weird that she's able to actually send messages through the ashen world to the real world but they don't come over quite yet i should also mention that she has taken that nokia phone with her and you know it's that old brick style nokia phone where she's probably going to use it as a weapon at some point and then still be able to make calls and the fact that if she was still stuck in the fucking other world the ashen world right now she probably still could make fucking phone calls with it from the other side because those batteries lasted fucking forever meanwhile back over in the ashen world we see that uh, Rose, she's going through the hallways and she's trying to find more clues on what could have happened. She ends up being like taken to a bathroom area after kind of running through the halls and looking through a lot of the classrooms. Before we get to the bathroom area, she does notice in those classrooms that she's looking at that there's different like writings. I don't remember if it's on the wall or it's in the kind of the books or on the desk and some of the stuff where they say burn the witch. Uh, and that kind of you know confuses her but she does go into the bathroom and we see that like there's weird like baby sounds and stuff like that going on and the set again the sets look fucking fantastic for what it is she goes into the last stall and there's something written on the wall that says dare you dare you double dare you and there's this guy like completely covered in chicken wire and he's got something in his mouth Honestly, it looks like somebody lost the physical challenge, so I'd probably just go with that double dare if I were her. She's able to run, like, go in there and take the thing out, and it looks like it belongs to a hotel, but she can't quite know what it means. The practical effects that are used for the guy that's on the toilet, because it actually is, looks like it, if it was fucking just makeup and it was like a model that they made, it still looks great, but to me it looks exactly like somebody was just set up in that type of contraption for the time. It almost looks like it belongs in a Saw movie, to be honest with you, but it looks fucking great. On the outside, there's a bunch of people that are roaming the hallways with these weird gas masks and what seems to be like a bird inside of a cage, and they're roaming the hallways. She goes out there, and she gets noticed by them. She runs back into the bathroom and holds the door up while the three of them constantly bang against it. These have to be the weakest motherfuckers in the world, or she has to be the strongest woman in the world, because they're not able to take the door down or kick it in or anything, even with all the power that they're putting between the three of them 
putting behind it, she's still able to stay in the bathroom. With one of the last kicks that the guy delivers, he's told to stop by one of the other guys because the bird in the cage is going fucking crazy. I mean, it is just going absolutely nuts inside its little cage. And that's the cue for them that the dark world is coming. And for us, we start hearing the sirens. They run away and everything starts to change. Now, we get one of the coolest fucking practical effects that I've seen in this movie yet. And that is where we see the guy that was in the last stall that had the thing in his mouth. He actually comes out of the bathroom stall that he was in and he's totally contorted. Like, he looks like his legs are bent back over his face. It's fucking amazing. He has this thing with his tongue and the way that he moves. It looks so fucking cool. And the makeup on him is great too. She freaks the fuck out and runs out of the room. When she runs down the hallway, she sees the guys in the masks. They're completely being covered by all these weird beetles. And they're just like starting to devour the guys that are inside of those suits. Rose runs away from them and then we start getting these weird kind of cut shots where we see Sean Bean looking in the school at the same time that she's escaping these horrors that are over there in the darkness. And he has this like feeling like he can feel her. Within the sequence as well, we get to see Pyramid Head for the very first time. And again, the outfit is so fucking cool. Like, I think I can tell that the head itself, because it would be way too heavy to wear, if it's not CGI, it's fucking impressive. Otherwise, it's still fucking impressive. And we had the guy, like I said, the guy in the suit supposedly is butt naked underneath there and fucking more power to him if he wants to be fucking butt naked underneath just like the butcher's outfit on the outside uh but if he's able to actually have the head like wear it and able to like fucking walk around with it fucking more power to you you are the second strongest fucking man that i know or that i've seen not next necessarily next to arnold but to people that i know in real life but it's just amazing and he has the big fucking sword too with him which that is a fucking practical effect because it's used later on. It's fucking amazing too. Like, I, I'm so impressed with the way that it looks. And it's a faithful recreation of the character. Like, they didn't try to do anything different with it. It's exactly what it needs to be and exactly the way that it needs to be used. Um, we do see him kind of controlling the cockroaches. And she runs and she gets a little bit of respite. And at the same time, we cut over to Sean Bean and we... He, again, is feeling that she's somewhere close. I felt her. Your what? Her perfume. She was here. Who was? My wife. She wasn't here. Put this mask. Perfume. Breathe. Through that mask. Come on. Let's go. We're going to go this way. Chris, come on. She was here. No, she, no, was she here. wasn't here. I know. She cries again and then she runs away down the hallway and then all of a sudden she gets pulled in to a room and she's pulled in there by Sybil. Uh, they lock the door. Sybil explains that she's only got basically one more clip of bullets left and then they have an unexpected visitor. Can we get out of here? We're trapped. Last mag. That's all the bullets we got. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, 
hear that? They're right. That is fucking Pyramid Head. And he stops in front of the door and then, like, fucking pushes the sword through the door trying to swipe at him. And it almost goes all the way to the back of the room. And that's my problem with this scene. Like, the first time he does it, it goes back that far and he kind of swings it around. And he's trying to make a big fucking hole. See, they put this bar that... There's no way that that bar could fucking hold anything back. And something as strong as him, if he's able to put that sword through the fucking metal door, especially all these cockroaches that are eating all these fucking things, if they are cockroaches, they could be whatever type of bugs they are, scarabs or something like that. But still, he's able to do that, and then he reaches in, and with his hands, he's almost able to reach them as well. And then, But he also stabs the sword again, and the sword is nowhere near them. So the first time, he's able to go all the way back to the room, but the second time, it's not. And then when he reaches in his hand, he's almost able to, like, fucking grab them. What the hell? How long are his arms? How really long is that fucking sword? Well, they're able to fucking dodge. She lays a couple bullets into Pyramid Head. And then the whole darkness goes away and they're able to get out there. And then we get my favorite reaction in the movie from Sybil after she survived this experience. Look. Look. You saw that, right? That was real? What the fuck is going on? All right. I know this is crazy. I know. We gotta calm right down because my kid is not here and I've gotta find her before this happens again. I don't even know where to start. I found this. It's from a hotel. I don't know where it is, but she is in this hotel. Hotel. Hey. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. So Sybil now finally believes that, you know, shit is fucked up, yo, and decides to help her out. Bean and the officer, they go outside of the town, and he tells them, Hey, look, we're going to find your wife. Don't worry about it, but don't fucking interfere with anything. Bean himself, he really wants to get down to the nitty-gritty, and he wants to find her terribly bad, so he goes back into the city to see if he can learn anything else about Silent Hill. Meanwhile, back inside the Ashen World, Sybil and Rose, they walk upon the hotel that they need to search, based upon that, basically, it looks like a hotel room key type thing. And in the distance, they hear the yelling of Dahlia, and they run inside and investigate what is going on to find her being attacked by a girl named Anna. Get back! Hey! Hey! It's here! Faith is our destroyer. Faith is what us do. Get back! Hey! Hey! Get back! Hey, stop! Think you of thee who cast the first stone. Lands without a shepherd, shepherd without a flock. It's your sins which hold you here. Stop your lungs! Calm down, it's okay, we're not hurt you. She's gone. What's your name? Anna. My name is Anna. What's going on here, Anna? Who was that? I've seen her before. Dahlia was cast out. Not even the darkness wants her. She's lost her daughter, too. What? Sinners deserve to lose their spawn. What are you doing here, Anna? Mother needs more food. You mean there are other people here? Christabella keeps us safe. Anna. We take refuge in the church. Anna, listen to me. I've lost my daughter. She's all alone. Can you imagine? 
imagine how frightened she must feel. Tell me, have you seen her? Do you know where she is? If she has faith, she might survive. If not... I'm taking this. Have you seen this? I've seen it at the school. It's on all the buildings the elders of my elders built. It's a symbol of our unity. Symbol of our faith. Rose, look at this. What is it? Just like yours. Where'd you find it? They're all over the floor. Where did you take this from? 111. We gotta go to room 111. So after meeting Anna, who kind of sounds like Chloe from 24, but it's actually not, which I was very surprised. I really thought that it might have been her. Uh, they decide to go look for room 111. See, Dahlia, there's something weird with her that we still don't quite know, but we know that she's an outcast from the other people in the town just based on the interaction with Anna. Anna, she looks like she's dressed in really old clothes compared to what uh, Rose and Sybil are wearing right now. There's also something that's very interesting with the outfit that Rose wears as it there's a lot of actually different outfit changes and they progressively get dirtier as time goes on. And it's not that she's wearing the same costume. She's actually constantly changing costumes for each scene. You just don't really notice it because it looks like it's all degrading over time. Also, the actress who played Rose, she didn't wash her hair for the entire time they shot the movie, basically to show that over time, she was getting dirtier and dirtier going along with the outfits that she was wearing. Something kind of neat at the same time is kind of a weird choice, but I get it. Instead of just putting makeup in your hair and making it look like it got dirtier, you decided that you just didn't want to do anything with it. And at the end, you had a nice clean shower to make sure you wiped all that shit out of your hair. So they decide to go looking throughout the hallways to see if they can find room 111. And when they finally get into the area where it is, it doesn't look like they found it at all. But luckily, Rose, she stole Anna's knife and is able to put it to good use. There's no room 111. The first burning. What is it, Anna? The first burning. Before the town had a name, the elders of my elders kept us pure. The founders of this town were witch hunters. Burning the witch held back the darkness. It stopped the apocalypse. It's here. So they cut down the, well, she uses the knife, I should say, to cut open the, the way to the doorway to room 111, which is blocked by a painting. Meanwhile, in the real world, Sean Bean, he's 
gone to the archives to see if he can learn anything more about the town and maybe his daughter. And this place has the worst security in the fucking world because all he has to do is wait for somebody to leave, break a window, and then he's fucking in the place getting exactly what he wants. And they don't really have anything filed. Everything for Silent Hill is just randomly in a fucking room thrown all over the place. But he's able to find exactly what he needs in the first, like, five minutes he's in the goddamn room. And then he's in and he's out. He's like some fucking spy, but at the same time, they don't have any good fucking defense fences to even guard anybody from going in there have you never heard of an alarm on the window even if it's a silent alarm because nobody shows the fuck up but he's able to get what he wants and he leaves so they go into room 111 inside the ashen world and they learn about the burning basically something happened in here i think that from based upon what you're watching at this point you can assume that the fires may have actually started from this area in the whole town because everything looks like it's completely fucked up uh rose she runs on ahead of sybil and anna they decide to take anna with them because why the fuck not might as well and then in the distance she sees a little girl that looks exactly like sharon turns out that it's somebody else and that Hey, she wants a nice hug because she's on fire. Oh my god. You could be her twin. Are you Alessa? Where's my Sharon? Look at me. I'm burning. So that's the same actress that plays Sharon. And it's not terrible. I don't mind her being this persona that much. It's still not great, but it's better than her Sharon persona, let me tell you. Especially since she has to have a giant piece of dialogue later. I'd rather have her talking like this little girl than talking like the other little girl for any more in this fucking movie. The other thing is she goes in for the hug and Sharon, or not Sharon, but Rose, is like... Uh, and she wakes up from whatever is a dream. Sybil finally catches up with the rose, sees that she's on the other side, and throws her a rope to get her over. She says, it won't be easy to get across, but yet she's able to use the rope and swing over just fine. It looks like it's easy as fuck. Then she asks, what was she doing on the other side? And they see the familiar symbol that was painted on the floor down below. Are you alright? Yeah. What the hell were you doing over there? You're gonna get yourself killed. I think I just saw Dahlia's daughter. She was the one that brought us here. What are you talking about? She was the one that made me crash my car. Alessa. We don't say her name. That's the seal, isn't it, Anna? The symbol of your faith. Something terrible happened here. We have to leave. We have to leave. The darkness is coming. Let's go. Let's go. So I guess birds are the first to know. Kind of like within an earthquake here in California, the dogs are always the first to know. In the darkness, the birds are the first one to know that the evil is fucking coming to, I guess, kill people or something. Uh, And it happens to be a bunch of crows that fly out of the hole. And yeah, I'm going to go and start following fucking crows. 
don't fucking think so. Because usually crows are a symbol of bad luck and evil itself, and you're going to fall to wherever it needs to go, which happens to be a church. Okay, nothing wrong is going on there. Everybody in town is just running for fucking cover inside of this place. But there's an obvious reason why we might not want to go in there. And it may have something to do with Dahlia being on the steps trying to block both Sybil and Rose from even going inside. You run not towards sanctuary, but from your fears. Do not join the others. They are deceivers. They are damned. We gotta get inside. No! And woes in the skin of sheep. They brought about their own hell. They'll take you with them. Oh. Filth and lies! Hey. Stop it! I've seen your daughter. I've seen Alessa. It's coming! She's dead, isn't she? Birds and clans and dragons. Listen to me. Rose, hurry! She looks exactly like Sharon. She brought us here, didn't she? Why? What does she want? So then everything turns to black just for the moment, and then we end up on the outside of the darkness, right outside of the church. And guess who fucking shows up? Pyramid fucking head. And probably the most badass fucking scene in the entire fucking movie, and the reason why this film is rated fucking R. It is gruesome at the same time, really unexpected. See, she... It goes to dark, and then Anna is about to throw another stone at Dahlia. Dahlia throws up the devil horns, okay, because she's fucking metal. And then all of a sudden, Pyramid Head shows up behind Anna and grabs her by the throat. Sybil and Rose try to run inside, and they think that maybe they're going to be able to save her. But first, Pyramid Head rips off Anna's clothes, and then rips off her fucking skin. Completely rips her, just grabs her by the boob. The worst place to rip somebody's skin off. I would assume he's ripping them off by the nipples, right? He just grabs both of those pointy motherfuckers and just fucking pulls and rips everything off of her. And then blood from that rippage splatters onto Rose and Sybil. And then as they run into the church, he throws her body against the church doors and it completely fucking explodes. The whole scene is fucking hardcore. It is fan-fucking-tastic. And I remember when I first saw in the theaters, it totally threw me off because I was not expecting this shit. You heard the stuff. You knew something was going to happen to somebody. I expected at this point it might be Sybil. I wasn't expecting it. I should have expected to be the scrub Anna, right? Because she's only there to give a little bit of exposition and then all of a sudden she's getting fucking killed. But the brutality that was involved with it was just insane it was really fucking cool it still looks pretty great it's a maybe not so much when he pulls off the skin but it just in general it's relatively quick so him doing it it's just like i don't get why he just they didn't have him rip everything off with the clothes like just take this clothes and the skin at the same time but it does add a little more of emphasis to the brutality of this kill and Honestly, this is not the most brutal kill in the movie. That happens much later on when, well, when things happen. 
at the same time, you see Rose, she's trying to understand a little more of what's going on with Alyssa, because there's definitely something that nobody really wants to talk about, and even Dahlia, with everything that it's going on, and the fact that it's her daughter, and she doesn't want to say anything, that there's something much, much bigger and maybe much more sinister going on. They manage to get inside of the church, and the churchgoers inside of the the crowd there, they start calling them witches because they believe that they allowed Anna to die. The leader of the whole congregation speaks up and tells them that, no, it's not their fault that she died. She actually dissipated the rules that we have set forth, and maybe these people aren't witches after all. Christabella, they lured my Anna. They gave her to the fiend. Eleanor, you must remember that Anna went against our laws. She went alone outside into the devil's playground. She was not the responsibility of these two strangers. We'll deal with them later. Now we must pray. Now, I really shouldn't call these people churchgoers. They just went inside the church. They're actually referred to, at least in some of the texts that I read, as the Brethren. And see, Christabella here, she's like the high priestess of the Brethren that were there. So, whatever they believe in, I think they're part of the ancestral group that was burning witches at the stake. They believe everybody's witches. Hey, let's just burn them, because that's the only way to solve anything. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, But... They want to learn, Rose wants to learn a little more of what's going down. In the meantime, we see that Bean, he's gone to the orphanage where, I guess, Sharon had come from, based upon the information that he found. He waits for the nun to put everybody to bed, and then he confronts her in the hallway by, well, one, yelling at her, two, accosting her, and three, then getting arrested. I'm sorry, Sister Margaret. This really can't wait. I can't imagine why. Nine years ago, a baby was left outside this orphanage. My wife and I were the ones who adopted her. I'm very happy for you, Mr. De Silva. But I can't give out information on our children. Look. That girl, she looks exactly like my daughter. I can't help you. I'm sorry. It's late. She must be 40 now. Where can I find her? The story isn't hers alone, but all of ours. Oh, you what gotta sell you some. You know what you got now, Chris? How about breaking and entering? And by the looks of this, a little assault as well. Thank you, Thomas. This can't go any farther. It won't, sister. You know, I've seen 12-year-olds who uh, cover the tracks better than you do. Sis. Don't you, do you know her? Is that my daughter's birth mother? Huh? Turn around. What are you doing? I knew that girl. I did. I was told you didn't make it through the night. Night of the fire. Night of the big fire in Silent Hill. There were these people. These fanatics. What they did to that child was terrible. That was 30 years ago, and it's over now. Not as far as I'm concerned. It's going to be, city boy. I, I, I can put you in jail, or you can go home. And that's your definition of justice, huh? 
many different forms of justice, Chris. So you've got man's, God's, and even the devil's. Certain forms you just can't control. See, he shows him his hands, and he shows him that there's all these burn marks on them. And he basically tells of how he rescued the girl from the fire. Uh, and that's how he got the marks on his hands. And we learn a little more of what exactly he did and how he did it later on. It's really weird because they say that this is only, well, that Sharon is nine years old supposedly at this time. And yet when we learn things about the Ashen world, it's a long fucking time for him to actually be in there as well. Um, I, I don't quite get how the two times like match up to each other. Meanwhile, we go back over to Christabella and Rose, and they start talking about what Rose needs to do and who Rose needs to visit. And she believes that she needs to go down below to go and see whatever demon is down there and face whatever is going on in Silent Hill. Tell me first how you got here. Honestly, I don't know how I got here. Right now, I've lost my little girl... And all I know is that I'm supposed to be in this church. Are you a person of faith? I love my daughter. It's not what I asked. Who are you to judge? We judge because the souls of history hang in the balance. Because our faith has never failed us. Our faith keeps the darkness of hell at bay. Then use your faith to help me find my little girl. Only the demon knows where she is. Then tell me, where do I find this demon? No one has ever returned from the core of the darkness where the demon lies in wait. She's not going to help us. Let's just go. If you wish to face the demon to find your daughter, I won't stop you. Christabel, they can't go down Silence, Adam. Perhaps your faith will protect you. Perhaps not. So they decide that they're going to let them go down into whatever the deep dark down below, whatever the fuck that is. I guess in like the hospital building is where they're going to be going. Uh, they don't really say it, but it's pretty obvious when you see where they're going and what the hallways exactly look like. Outside, Sybil and Rose, they talk. All of a sudden it's weird because like Sybil started off with this whole, uh, I don't really trust you, you ran away from me, to the point where she's just like, yeah, I'm totally cool and I just totally want to help you find your daughter because as she explains it, I'll understand. Sharon's adopted. But I'm her mother. I knew that from the moment I first laid eyes on her. She's lucky to have you. Mother is God in the eyes of a child. I kind of like that phrase out of the whole movie and most of the dialogue that's in this movie. I really do like that you know mother is god in the eyes of a child i think that's really cool um you know i would almost say like the parents are but it's kind of true because you know mom gives life and dad allows you know helps with it but he doesn't actually give birth and do all the other fun stuff so take it what you will but i really like the line that they use in the movie so they all head off towards the hospital we see that christabella has actually picked up the little locket that dropped off of which is weird she still has the fucking phone on her neck that nokia is not going anywhere but she managed to lose the locket and so christabel's picked it up and then they all follow basically the lead of them i should say to the hospital and christabel happens to be the only one that doesn't need to wear the fucking suit but everybody else dresses up in that weird like gas mask type suit 
when they get over there, she starts running through with Rose what exactly she needs to do to get to where she's going. And the first thing that she needs to do to make sure she survives is memorize the layout of the hospital when she gets down below and to go to a specific room. Look at this map. Memorize it. Your memory may save your life. Do you see this room? Yep. That is where the darkness lies. The demon is in the bowels of this building. It hides behind the face of an innocent. You mean a child? Don't believe your eyes. Your eyes will lie to you. Faith is the only truth. I will pray for you, Rose, but I won't expect you and your friend to return. Oh, fuck you. Basically, you're telling her, hey, you know, I'm going to think about you, but you're just going to fucking die anyway. So just have fun down there dealing with demons and bullshit. But, you know, I'm going to be up here hiding in my little hidey hole until maybe you come back. But I doubt that you are. So before she goes, she does have kind of a change of heart and she decides to give back the locket that she found on the floor before they head down the elevator shaft that they've seen before them. Now, Rose, she's a little skeptical of what might go on because the elevator is just standing there. But, you know, Christabella does reassure them that if the demon wants you, you'll be able to go down there. The locket opens up before she gives it back to her, and this freaks Christabella the fuck out. So this thing actually works? It will. If the demon wants you, it will. Forgive me. We've lived too long as scavengers. I believe this is yours. Witch! Her child's the likeness of Alessa. Her child's the next vessel. Stop her! Don't let the witches go down! So after Christabella freaks the fuck out, they decide to have a rumble with Sybil. Sybil pushes her into the elevator shaft uh, right before she starts getting the shit beat out of her by the other people in the mask. She does a pretty good job of being badass and fighting them back, but when she goes to fire her gun at Christabella, she doesn't have any bullets yet left because she used them all on Pyramid Head. Uh, before she starts going down there, Rose looks one last time as Sybil then gets the living shit beat out of her and we go down into the basement of this place. Rose starts running around down the hallways using the light that was given to her by Christabella and she's able to get to the point to one of the interesting parts of the film as well, probably one of the other kind of creepy, tense sequences of the film. You don't really get it a whole lot in this movie, and this is one of the scenes that I felt really kind of lived up, one, to like look and feel of the game, and two, really had a big like tense feeling to it, because you see these nurses that pop up, and they're all kind of lined there, but they're attracted to the light. So as she shows the light on them, they all like kind of move eerily forward. Now, the way the effect was done, because again, this is a practical effect, and the way that it was shot is he had all these models move backwards, and then he played everything going forwards. So the weird like steps back uh, and stuff that they did in reverse look like creepy steps and motion moving forward it looks really fucking cool as they crawl and there's a couple times where you can kind of guess what's going on just based on how fast the movement is when he speeds up what's going on now she figures out that it has to do something with the light so she turns the lights off and all the nuns or nurses i should say stop moving and they've all got these knives and they're coming over there to kill her so she's moving slowly through them and then even though she's being as cautious as she can be, 
she accidentally sets off a couple of the nurses and they start killing each other to an extent. She's able to actually get through all of them and then she places the light down and focuses it on them so they're all attracted to that instead of following her as she runs away. Pretty smart. It looks great. It's very tense when she's walking through because you're kind of holding your breath while she's holding her breath. Even watching it on the smaller screen, I felt a lot of like good vibes from this scene. That's the best way I can kind of describe it for myself. So she manages to get through the door, and then we get a long sequence explaining what exactly happened to Alyssa. And it's kind of like its own human instrumentality project, if you've ever seen Ava before, where she walks through the door, there's a giant bright light, and she's congratulated by Alyssa. Now, I broke this scene up into three different uh, parts because they're all important, and it really tells you the story of what happened to her and why, in fact, she was deemed to be a witch. Congratulations, Rose. You're here. You did it. Your reward is the truth. Did you see that Alessa was a good little girl? Even though nobody looked at her that way. Their parents told them she was bad. She didn't have a father like they did. <coughs> Alessa was alone in the world. You know what can happen to little girls when they're left alone. It's okay, it's me. Come on. Even her mother couldn't help. Even though she loved her baby. But the rest of the family didn't love Alessa. They were just like the others. And made her scared. We know. Even the children know it. Your daughter... Why you won't just name the father? You've brought sin amongst us. The faithful must gather in judgment, for we are called to purify this field. What does she mean, Mommy? You're weak, my dear sister. You always were. Trust us, Dahlia. Have faith in our virtue. We will restore innocence. Okay, so the reason that they've dubbed her a witch for this whole thing is because she's a bastard. Like, that's the whole thing. They want to know exactly who the father is. Dahlia, the mom, won't give up who the father is. And because this kid is out of wedlock, all of a sudden, she must be a witch and she must be fucking purified. And... It, it makes no sense to me. And the fact that also she's like, when she says, what happens when little girls are left alone? She got fucking raped, too, by some guy named Cliff or Clifford or where the fuck his name is, Clint, the janitor that was there at the school because she was being bullied as a witch and being chased around. She ended up in a room where he was all by himself and they just let it happen. And that also makes her fucking evil. What? What the fuck, man? That's fucked up. You don't fucking go out there and, like, force these kids to... Basically, they allowed her to get raped by somebody. 
and all because she's a fucking bastard and that's what she deserves. And now that she's not clean anymore either, it's time to fucking like burn her at the stake. And that's how we're going to fix the issue in the town. Because what you don't know is Christabella, she is the sister to Dahlia. And the reason that probably she wants to do it is because she's the leader of this whole fucking brethren congregation. And she doesn't want this to be looked upon her like her sister's a sinner. So that must mean you're a fucking sinner too. So the only way to fix that is to fucking burn it with fire. They had met many times since the town was built to restore innocence and purity. They had a special place for that. Do you remember the hotel? I led you to all these places, and you were very good at following my clues. You may leave, darling. We fight to sin, not to sinner. You know how that feels, don't you, Rose? To lose your little girl. What have I done? Oh, God. Weep not for the demon. Once again, we're locked in mortal battle. They thought they knew how to cast out evil. Praise God for our clarity. Praise the innocent for their sacrifice. But you should be careful how you fight evil. And our unity. Your weapons can turn back on you. So basically, they tried to burn her alive, and they used that thing that we saw earlier in the film, that stamp or seal that they had that was like this metal grate, and they put her on top of it and put her on the top of burning coals, and they were trying to immolate her and you know basically burn her alive. And it failed. Something happened in it, and she was able to get free, not necessarily get free, but that thing was able to get free, and then knock the coals over and burn the whole fucking thing down. Uh, they look like they all escaped with their lives in this. Uh, and then we see that, you know, the officer that we've seen throughout the film before comes in to save her. Dahlia's on the side. She's very upset that she was like, let this happen. She realized at the last possible moment that maybe doing this to your child is not the best thing in the world. Just maybe, maybe you don't let your sister burn her alive because you got raped by some guy and it's not really your fault, even though she's a bastard. Like, you just don't fucking do that, right? I don't understand, like, the whole thought process behind this. And the fact that even Alessa here, or as we know right now, it's Dark Alessa that's talking. So, or Emo Alessa that's talking to Rose at this moment. The fact that she's saying that you're trying to purify evil with this, she's not an evil kid. She didn't do anything evil unless the purify evil is referring to the ones that actually were trying to kill her. So, what exactly happened and how did this world get created? Well, Alyssa kind of goes into that as well. Now you know why Dahlia is broken. She tried to get help. But she went too late. Get her up, boys! Get her up now! There were good people in the town. People like you, Rose. People who like to help. A 
Alessa was so lonely and hurt and scared. They should have known better than to hurt her so badly. When you're hurt and scared for so long, your fear and pain turn to hate, and the hate starts to change the world. Alessa's hate grew and grew, burning inside her. Her hate got so strong. She even hurt someone who was only curious. When I came, I told her it was their turn. I promised they would all fall into her darkest dream. So basically, this entity, whatever it is, came into her life, and since Alyssa didn't actually die from her burns. She literally was left there as a blackened fucking body, like with scars all over the place. And she wanted to get her revenge on these people. And that's wherever this entity came up and told her that, yes, you can get your revenge. You just have to give over yourself to me. She did so. And that created the dark world. The nurse, you see a nurse inside the room with her when you first, like, in when you're in, like, kind of the real world, I guess. Uh, well, within the explanation of going on, and basically, she did something to her. You don't quite know yet. Um, when you know, she was just watching after and being good. You do see the police officer from earlier, him go in and actually use his bare hands to uncover from the burning and, uh, not necessarily burning, but the really hot metal that she was attached to. And you would think she'd have more scarring on her back, but all of her scarring's on her front. Kind of weird, but okay. The makeup isn't too terrible for what she's got. It's not the best in the world, but how are you going to make a burnt, charred version of somebody's like kid's corpse like look really good, right? It's <laughs> Oh, look! You made that baby, that dead baby look fucking fantastic. Can you also give me a baby in a blender, too? That would be fucking great, man. Especially if you had, like, little eyeballs and a little, like, fucking spleen. Maybe a ween picking out here or there. Whatever you want. Just make sure it looks really good. So, uh, we then flash in to the current darkness. And everything down here is automatically the darkness. That's the difference between this area and the outside of the down, like the basement, I guess, of the hospital. Is that is constantly the darkness down there. And it's all emanating from Alyssa's room. So when she's actually in there, you see Alyssa. She's still within the, like, hospital, like, I don't know if you want to say it's casing, but coverings uh, around the bed. It's all draped with all that, like, breathing, like, material and stuff. She's still on the hospital bed. And, of course, the nurse is still there. Uh, Rose turns around, and she sees what is called Dark Alyssa. And they talk a little bit more about how and what she wants her to do to kind of free Alyssa's spirit. She won't hurt you. She needs your help. Who is she? She is Alessa. Then who are you? I have many names. 
Right now, I'm the dark part of Alessa. Where's my child? She's not your child. She's hers. The little girl is what's left of her goodness. We hid her in safety. In the world outside this hell. This life must end, and so too must the dreamers within it. For over thirty years, they've lied to their own souls. For thirty years, they've denied their own fate. But now is the end of days, and I am the Reaper. What do you want? All we ask for is satisfaction. Satisfaction. Revenge. Why me? You chose. You chose Sharon. Christabella will find Sharon. She plans to purify her. Oh God, no! Their blind conviction repels me from their church. I cannot enter while they deny their fate, but you can. Just tell me what I need to do. Tell them the truth. Okay, so supposedly this world has been going on for thirty years, but Sharon is only nine years old, and this officer that supposedly saved her—he doesn't look that old either. He looks like he is in his thirties, unless it was. His father, but it's not, right? Because he has the marks on his hand and not just like he, it's not like he passed them down generation to generation. Hey, your father had these marks on his hand before me. And now you're going to have them because I have them also. And I'm going to fucking make sure that you hold something hot so that way you get the scars on your hands as well. So we can carry on this tradition of everybody believing that I'm the one that actually did it. But really, it was great great grandpa or some shit like that. So. If it's 30 years, and she's only 9 years old, so just 9 years ago they decided, oh, we're going to take the good part and put her out there? Like, it makes no sense to me, right? Because it obviously is an older lady inside the bed, or an older woman, I should say. It's not the young Alyssa that we saw from the rest of the fucking movie. Unless time moves much different there, and everybody's grown up, and 30 years have passed when only in our world, 9 years. I, I don't fucking know. They don't really fucking explain it. But supposedly, 30 years have passed, and these people have been living in denial for what they've done. So, if you don't quite catch it... Everybody's fucking dead. Everybody but Sybil and Rose are fucking dead. And Sharon, too. And technically Dark Alyssa, too, because they're both young. Sharon, she's all the good things of Alyssa. Whereas all the hatred and anger and revenge are all manifested in the dark version of Alyssa, who happens to be, say, another demon or something, just taking the form of Alyssa to help her carry out her needs. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why Pyramid Head probably was created. You don't really know. You don't really know his purpose in this movie. But he's kind of like the vengeful spirit. And he's basically acting as Judge Jeering Executioner. Along with other 
mother monstrosities that are within this world. He probably just happens to be the worst out of the lot of them, right? And then you have, like, the burnt babies, which were the kids that used to make fun of her. Um, and that's my assumption on this one. And the nurses are nurses of the hospital that she turned, uh, you know, into these monstrosities themselves. And even the nurse that's in there in the room, she fucked her face up uh, to an extent to where she looks like she's blind and her face is all scarred. So... Her vengeance has been on the wrong type of people, but she's been trying to reach the people that actually caused her, like, this pain and burnt her to a fucking crisp, right? Now that she's a crispy critter, she wants to go back and make sure that she gets her revenge against the people that did it. Um, so, what does she have to do? Uh, Dark Alyssa gives uh, Rose a hug, and she has to go back and tell them exactly what they're avoiding, Hey, you're dead, and you need to atone for your sins, so that way you can go to the next life. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in this limbo, and eventually you're going to get caught out there, and you're going to get fucking killed anyway. So, might as well just let yourself uh, repent and take what's coming to you. So, back over at the church, we see that they've found Sharon. Well, they go into Dahlia's apartment. She's hiding Sharon. They go in, they take her, and they get ready to go fucking burn her because they believe that that's going to end the apocalypse that started on the day that they died in the fire. Um, Which they don't believe they did. They just believe they got sucked into this world. Meanwhile, we also see that Sybil, she's up on top, and she's been fucking, like, roped to one of the these giant ladders. And, of course... What the fuck's gonna happen with her? Christabella, let her live. Your weakness led these souls to judgment. This time you will bear witness. She is innocent. Look at her. She's the whelp of your daughter. The demon! The demon! Father, this disgusting abomination from her child! No, she's mine! Sharon! Sharon, look at me. Look at me. Don't be afraid. It's okay. It's okay. Your mom is coming. Once again, we are called upon to restore innocence. We burn this witch. We vanquish evil. No, you can't. You can't. Don't let her see this. No. We burn no. the child. We fight the demon. Burn She's just a child. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Must be cleansed by the fire from whence they came. It's crazy. You're crazy. No! Why are you listening to this? Why? Well, poor Sybil. She does get burned alive in a really gruesome scene where you start to see the flesh kind of peel off of her it's not necessarily the best animated scene it's not a practical scene i really wish it was have been really fucking cool but the idea behind it is still fucking intense and pretty fucking insane so it's still worth a watch to see this going on and you still like kind of reel back in horror as you see her fucking burning alive um it's just absolutely nuts that this is what they decide that they're going to do and this is how they're going to solve all the problems is just by like fucking burning everything down so 
We then cut over and we see after everything is said and done, um, we see Rose enter into the church and she's there to confront them. Uh, and she also notices that they've turned, uh, you know, poor Sybil over here into a crispy critter as well. As she begins to walk towards her daughter and where Christabella is, uh, she begins to tell them exactly what's going on. She does take one slap like a champ and then push the guy away and ends up confronting Christabella to her face. Here is where the apocalypse began. This is where we stopped the annihilation of the world. We drew a line in the sand and said, Demon! Demon! You will not cross! But the demon is wicked, full of treachery. Yet again, he comes to tempt us in the guise of an innocent to rid the world of this demon. We must burn this child! Everything's gonna be okay. Oh my god. Witch! Oh my god. What have you people done? You have returned. Yes, I have. The witch has returned. Do not believe her lies. I come from a world outside this place. I come from a world full of life. Why don't you tell them the truth? Tell them the truth that you deny even to yourself. There was no apocalypse. You burned in the fire that you started and nothing can save you because you're already damned. Take her. Burner. Burner is a witch. Burn me? That's your answer. Burn anything you're afraid of. Burn anything you can't control. Okay, how do you really know that she's a witch? Does she weigh as much as a duck? I mean, come on. That's the only way that you can really do it, right? So get out the goddamn scale, put a duck on one side, put her on the other, and if she weighs exactly the same, then you know it's time to fucking burn the witch, okay? The same thing, too. Really, this is your solution to everything. Just fucking burn it. Hey, I'm going to pay too much of my taxes. Well, let's just burn down the IRS. Hey, he stole my dog. Well, let's just burn the dog and then burn down his house. Hey, this cop gave me a speeding ticket. It's time to burn the fucking cop car. You know, you can't solve all your things by burning. You can solve them by just fucking running away and not having to deal with it anymore and crying in a corner somewhere until somebody catches up with you. Then you just keep running from all your problems and then you end up in a bottle and then you start doing a podcast where you start talking about a horrible mood. I mean, um, yeah, burn everything down. Okay, go ahead. It's fine. You can burn everything that you want. You don't have to worry about anything. Just fucking burn it all to hell. You know, as the once the great Cornholio said, fire, fire, fire. Uh, so she confronts Christabella, and in reaction to her getting in her face, Christabella stabs her in the heart. Well, stabs are kind of above the heart, but they're saying it's in the heart. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this black goo starts pouring out of her, and the center of the church starts turning into the dark world. That's when they realize that they've left, they've actually let the darkness inside of the church because Dark Alyssa was inside of her all along. And the way that she got her out of her was through her blood or something. I don't know. She hit like a fake pocket of uh, Alyssa goo, and then here we go. Now we've got everything popping up. 
And again, we get one of those batshit scenes that I've seen in a while. Um, where you see Alessa, she rises from the basically the inferno that is below the town where the charcoal fire uh, has been going this whole time and the seeds of her rage down there. And then she arrives back up to see everybody inside her hospital bed. Rose goes after Sharon uh, to protect her from what's going to go on. And Alessa just goes crazy. Her and Dark Alessa start killing everybody. They basically using different types of, or all this razor wire to slice people up. And you see them torn in different ways, spun around, decapitated. The worst of all, of course, like I said, the death of Anna was pretty bad. The death of Christabella is fucked up because before she's even torn asunder, she has, oh God, it just makes me hurt too. She has the razor wire shoved up her vajayjay and through her mouth and it's coming out of her mouth and her arms and just cutting her up to the point that it finally just rips her apart and, uh, Alessa gets her revenge and everything. Before everything is done, uh, Sharon tells, or Rose tells Sharon to not look like she's fucking Indiana Jones. Don't look, Sharon. Don't look. No matter what they say, don't look. Just look away. Don't look at it. Don't look at it, Sharon. But of course, she looks anyway because she's a kid, and you know, with kids, they never listen to any fucking thing you ever have to say. And she sees Dark Alessa, and they merge and become one person at this point. Once the violence has stopped, she and uh, Sharon, Rose and Sharon, they leave the church, and there is one person that's left over, and that is Dahlia. Why did she not take me with the others? Because you're her mother. Mother is God in the eyes of a child. So that we have the same type of ending, uh, well, ending line for Rose that we had from Sybil, and Dahlia is kind of left in this ashen world. Alyssa looks back, now fused with Dark Alyssa, and kind of gives a smile as they both walk away out into the distance. They make it back to the car. Alyssa's put in the back seat, or well, Sharon, I guess, put into the back seat. Uh, to sleep it off as Rose drives back home. As she's basically driving back, she gives Sean Bean a call and lets her know that, hey, we're coming back. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Rose. And I'm Sharon DeSilva. Christopher, it's me. I'm with Sharon. Hello? Hello? Rose? Rose? Yeah, we're coming home. Okay, two quick things before we get to the little ending part of this. One, how did the car start? Because the car wasn't starting. Is it Dark Alyssa that all of a sudden managed to be like, okay, we can get away from fucking Silent Hill now because we're one person and I want to get the fuck out of this place too. I've been stuck in this town for 30 fucking years. I need to get away so fucking snap her fingers and fucking car works now. And two, she's in the other world still, right? How's she going to get gas? Well, I guess she stole it from everybody else on her fucking cruise on the way there. So she's probably just going to pull up to some place and be like, uh. Or in the dark world, maybe they don't need gas. 
you know, just like in the future, you know, where they're probably going, they don't need roads. So, hey, don't need gas, don't need roads, let's just go back home. And so they do eventually end up back at the residence of both Bean and Rose. Uh, but she is still in the Ashen world. Meanwhile, Bean is over there in the real world. And when they enter the house, uh, we see that Bean is laying on the couch and he's been kind of sleeping. Then he wakes up because he's like, something's weird uh, and off about this. And he goes over the front door and it's been opened and it was closed before. And then we keep getting kind of like shots back and forth between her in the Ashen world and him in the real world. And the last one we get is we see that Rose has sat down on the couch and she's facing the two chairs. And then we go back over to the real world. We see that Sean Bean is looking at the couch where there's nothing on it, but he can feel her presence in the room. And that is where the movie ends. We get the final end theme and the credits roll. So that was Silent Hill. Um, again, I think this is a very fun movie. There's a couple little things. It's very hard to get really nitpicky about this movie with me. And that's kind of the way I felt I did with this film. In general, I still have a really good time watching this. It's just from the sets to the way the creature designs look. Uh, not so good. It's not so much with the CGI ones. <laughs> the best in the world but the practical effects that are used in this film are fantastic i like the feeling of dread that you get in a couple of the scenes and in general i don't think the acting's terrible except for when the fucking girl is like sharon and even some parts where she's dark elixa it's a little bit too ham-handed to you you know uh, but overall, it's very, very entertaining, and you have some great scenes of action, and it's well-paced for being as long as it is, because there's portions of it where you're kind of just, like I said, you're exploring in the world, along with Rose, just like you would explore in the video game. So it's a very, to me, very faithful adaptation of a video game, because it feels like you're actually within the world. You could take it out and this film would just be a standard horror flick. Like, there isn't a whole lot that's different. I really like what they did and how they wrapped up the story of her. I don't necessarily agree with the whole thing. Like, the motivation to kill her, I think it's 
fucking retarded. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm using that word, but it is. It's stupid. It's really fucking stupid. Like, because she's a bastard, because she got raped, that's why we're going to kill her. There really wasn't anything more outside of it. But as a revenge plot type of thing to, like, realize that, hey... You know, these people are stuck in this world. You don't know why. Well, it's because they're already dead and they won't accept that what they did was horrible and everything that they've created around them with the darkness and everything like that, that's all to basically punish them until they just fucking come out and admit it. If they just admitted it, I bet you this wouldn't have dragged on for 30 years. So, I recommend that if you have not seen this movie, you watch this movie because it's great. Uh, it is not, like... It's not going to win any awards for like, you know, or at least it didn't for an Oscar worthy film or best, you know, animation or whatever the fuck it is that you could win for this film. But in general, it's a very entertaining horror flick. Uh, it still holds up even to this day. And even if some of the CGI effects don't necessarily do, but the world transitions look fucking great. How the world just peels apart when they do it in the you know, couple of scenes that they do. It's fantastic. It really emphasizes the feeling that you're going to someplace different, dark, and dank. Uh, and I really enjoy the way they did that. So how do I rate this film overall? The gore, it's a 5 out of 5. From the lady getting the razor wire uh, up her vag to uh, poor Anna being her, having her skin fucking torn off and then thrown against the door. Uh, to just some of the other little effects, the guy in the fucking bathroom with all the chicken wire and everything around him, uh, and, and that last crazy scene with all the different uh, brethren getting fucking killed by razor wire, it's great. There's a lot of it, uh, and it's very entertaining, and a lot of it's pretty well done. The crap factor, it's a 2 out of 5. It really comes to some of the dialogue and some of the acting that's questionable in this movie. And again, when you know that the Sean Bean scenes aren't necessarily, you know, important to the story some of them are some of them aren't uh i don't think they really need to be added i would have liked to seen a cut where it's only you take all of his stuff out and you put exactly what you thought should be in there probably cut the movie down by about 30 minutes and i think it would be very streamlined and still very fucking entertaining uh, but it doesn't hurt the film too much and you know the lead of this film she does a very good job sean bean is very entertaining to watch in this film um, Sybil, I really like her, even though sometimes she's a little overdoing in the acting. The lady that plays Christabella is great. I always recognize her from stuff, but I can never remember what she's from. I'm pretty sure somebody will tell me, but again, I'm not looking this up. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things that you can catch in here, but it's not a very crappy movie. It's got its parts. Like the whole how does the darkness cycle work? Like, I'd really like to know. The fact that it's been 30 years they've been stuck here, yet she's only nine years old, and nine years ago is when this started happening. It, it, stuff like that, like, I don't really get. And last but not least, it's a four out of five on the fun factor. It's an entertaining movie. I still really like it. You don't have to play the game to enjoy this movie. You just have to sit back, relax, and let your mind just fucking wander and you'll really enjoy this flick and you know as of right now it is available for you to watch if you have netflix it's totally worth it just go and fucking watch it you know spend your weekend doing that and then come back and re-listen to the podcast or whatever so overall what do i give this well i give it four out of five pyramid heads again it's fun uh, I love the sets. I love the action. I love the gore that's in this film. And, and some of it really 
even though it's a little unsettling, uh, it's very much uh, entertaining and fun to watch. So go check it out. And, um, you know, let's talk about the last film for Video Game Month. And this one... It's one, and it's the main reason why I did this, because I really wanted to talk about this movie. Um, and I couldn't figure out a way to actually do it without being cheesy. But uh, what happens when you take Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Carl Urban, and put him as the stars of one of the biggest and oldest first-person shooters uh, in all of video game history? Why, you get the crap fest that is doom at a distant research facility the final 10% of the human genome has just been discovered and with it all hell has broken loose stations locked down threat is as yet unidentified should efforts of containment be endangered, eliminate with extreme prejudice. Orders understood. Good hunting, soldier. Special ops clearance verified. Handle ID. Reaper. Handle ID. Duke. Say my name, baby. Handle ID. Destroyer. Handle ID. The Kid. The Kid? Handle ID. Sarge. Game time. Listen up, man. We're going in hot. If it breathes... Kill it. Soldier. Search and destroy. Target approaching. Reload. There's something coming up on you. Go to hell. Look out! We're in pursuit! There's no way to attack! That's right. The film that it truly is only worth it to watch one fucking scene in it. I wanted to talk about. Um, this is the first time we're ever going to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson on the podcast, and he looks like he's like a third of the man that he has now become. It's fucking crazy. Uh, it still is a fun time, and I don't know if it really pays homage enough to the game and the models that they use for a lot of the demons that are in the fi- the film itself uh, are based more around the Doom Three version of those uh, those guys. So like the pinky that you get uh, is you know, like the pinky that's in Doom 3. Same thing with the Cyber Demon. I don't remember if there's a Cacodemon in there or not. But I love that first-person shooter franchise. And actually, the last Doom that came out in 2000, I want to say, I think it's 2016 now, uh, has been one of my favorite games in a long-ass time. And it made me feel like I was playing the original Doom. And that kind of made me think about doing this film, but I could never find the right time to do it. It's a good mix of sci-fi and horror, um, and I think it's perfect for video game theme uh, episodes that we've got coming on. So, the next episode that you should, well, you'll be able to see or listen to, I guess, because <laughs> you're not watching this as a medium, uh, is Doom, and uh, it's very hard to find that movie. Uh, 
There are ways to watch it on YouTube. There's ways to watch it on Amazon, iTunes. Uh, it's not available on any of the other regular streaming services. I don't know if it's available on Hulu or Vudu or Crackle or wherever it is, but if you search hard enough, you'll be able to find it somewhere streaming. Uh, otherwise, just rent it and uh, watch it for later. But it's definitely a movie that I say watch before we do the podcast because I think we should all experience this either for the first time or once again together at the same time. Uh, I might even do like a you know watch party. I'll figure out something maybe we can do so that way uh, everybody can watch it maybe together and chat about it before we do the podcast uh, if I can figure out how to do that and I may not be able to. So I'm not making any promises right now. But definitely uh, watch Doom before you watch Watch the next podcast. Uh, and as always, just make sure that you follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, you follow the podcast on Facebook. So it's Twitter is at T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast. Horror Amino, Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, and Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast. Until next time, I will see you guys later. Watch Doom. Bye bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.